Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, good morning, everybody. Woo! And can we give it up for our moms for just a second and just show a little love? Woo! Thank you, mamas. It's been said of a lot of people in our lives, but it's never been more true than with you. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for you, mom, okay? We are so thankful for so many reasons for our moms and the tower, tireless hours and hours and hours and days and months and years that you pour into your kids. Thank you so much for all you do. And we have been in a series for a couple of weeks now called The Five Essentials for Growth. We started this entire series with this one big idea, big key to help unlock these five things that are going to help accelerate your growth spiritually. And, and here, here was the statement. The key to unlocking a growing relationship with God is, let's say it together, is it's faith. That's right. And, and it sounds real easy, sounds fairly and even a child could understand that concept, but that couldn't be more profound. And it couldn't be more foundational to everything else that we are ever going to do with our faith in regards to following Jesus, understanding God, whatever that next step is for you in your life, it's going to require that word right there. It's going to require some faith, and it's going to require more faith than you currently have right now, or that you're exercising right now, I should say. God will provide the faith, but this series is about stretching that faith and growing that faith, because that's what's going to be required to unlock each of these five and we talked about the fact that I understand faith is really difficult depending on who you are, how you grew up, the kind of home that you were in, the kind of parents that you had, whether or not you had exposure to faith growing up or going to church or any kind of, uh, whether, even if the church experience was good. Sometimes going to church wasn't so good and you were like, I want to do, have nothing to do with church. I want away from church because of the horrible experience you had. But we have lots of different things that tend to block or make difficult faith, make a hurdle before we even get to faith, emotionally and psychologically and different things that we have to get over. But be that as it may this, this morning, I want to just say for just a second, if we could set those aside and just assume for just a moment that you can have faith. And if there is a God... Even if you're kind of on the fence on whether there's a God or not, and you're just here because mama asked you to come today, we're so glad you were here, okay? Wonderful. But just for a minute, would you entertain this idea that there is a God, he knows your name, he loves you, and you can have complete confidence in this God. Imagine what that would be like for just a minute. Just go with me on this, the hypothetical of it, that you could trust this God completely all the time whether in great circumstances or horrible, horrific circumstances, you could trust God. You had confidence in Him. Whether He answered your prayer right away or not, or, or maybe years, years go by and you're continuing to pray and you still don't see the answer that you were hoping for, but you still believe, you know what? I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to trust Him because in His timing, in His good pleasure, in His good plan, He's going to take care of this. And I can trust that. 
Imagine for a minute if you had that kind of unshakable faith. Even if you're a Christian today, you might say, well, I'm not sure my faith is that unshakable. Like, I've got faith, but imagine for a moment if you did. What would that do to your fear level in this life, your stress level, your anxiety level in your life? What would it do? That would be a really different existence, a really different day-to-day experience of being you, wouldn't it, if you felt that kind of confidence in God? And here's the amazing thing that we see over and over in the pages of the Bible, both Old and New Testament, is that is what He wants for every single one of us. That is the kind of relationship He invites all of us into. From the moment that trust was broken in this world, when sin entered the world, we talked about this in the first week, that before there was disobedience, there was distrust. And I would say that's probably true for every one of us right down to today. Even before we disobey God or we sin, any kind of sin that we commit, there is a decision to, dis, to distrust. To I'm not sure I can really put faith in him. I'm not sure he has my best interest at heart. I think I know better. I think my friends know better. I feel like culture knows better. I think I want better. I think I want this tonight, so I'm going to do this tonight. To heck with the the circumstances or the, the consequences or the repercussions. I'm going to do this. And it's a decision to distrust, and it leads to disobedience. And that breaking of distrust is what God has constantly, ever since sin has entered the world, he's trying to reestablish it. He's trying to rebuild the bridge that got destroyed when mankind destroyed it. And when we come to the New Testament, Jesus is doing the same thing. The teaching that Jesus is giving is not, God wants you to come and be good. Good's going to be an, a byproduct of what God wants for you. But his, his initial message isn't, God wants you to come and try to be good, but to come and trust him, to believe, to place faith in him. And this is how we receive salvation. This is how we receive forgiveness. This is how we reestablish the lost trust relationship that's been broken between us and God. And this is what God wants over and over and over for us. And this series really is all about taking that trust, that faith, and redepositing it in these five areas that we see God using over and over and over in every faith story that you ever hear someone share of how God moved in their life, how they came to faith in God, how they came to walk with Jesus, how God became real to them, how they had a breakthrough in their life. It happened through one or multiples of these five different things, these five essentials for growth. And and this is what we're talking about, is five essentials God uses to grow our faith. I'm going to give you a quick overview today, and then we're going to come back and break these down more in the upcoming weeks. Now, last week, Pastor Sam did a phenomenal job talking about providential relationships, the idea that all of your relationships in your life will have an impact on your life spiritually, and you need to take a close look at them. Your kids need to take a close look at them, your grandkids, your nieces and nephews, Proverbs 13, 20 says that the wise, if you walk with the wise, you'll grow wise. The companion of fools will suffer harm. Watch out. Are you hanging out with fools or people who are wise? It's really important. And this plays out in so many different ways throughout the Bible. God says, and we can see it right down to this day, the the people around us, even sociologists would tell you, you are the product of your five closest friends. Think about it. You, you probably have friends that, that are 
sociologically speaking, make more money than you and some that make less. Some people that maybe are smarter than you, some that are not nearly as smart as you are, right? You, that's at least how you feel about it. Um, there are people who have more education and less education. People that have more important jobs than you, maybe less. People that are more spiritual and less. You're usually somewhere, you're an average, you're somewhere in the middle of those five close friends. And so providential relationships are incredibly important. Today, we're going to talk about practical teaching, and we're going to get into that more in just a second. Next week, we're going to talk about private disciplines. What are those things that just between you and God, no one else is looking, no one else really even has to know about it, maybe other than your spouse would know about it, your closest, closest friends, but what are those things that you could do every day that accelerate your growth with God, your relationship? One of those things, we're going to talk about it next week. And then number four, pivotal circumstances. And typically, not always, but typically these are really painful, difficult, hard. And it's not that we're picking them, they're picking us. They're coming. They're going to come regardless. It's just the question is, are you ready for them? And are you willing to use them, allow God to use them to leverage them for your good and for your family's good? And finally, personal ministry. How God wants to use you to make an impact and a difference in this world Ministry is simply meeting needs. Christian ministry is meeting needs in the name of Jesus, and everybody can do that. You don't have to have a seminary degree to do ministry. You just have to have a want to, a desire, an availability, a, a way, putting a yes, as we say, yes on the table. I'm willing to say yes. And so this is what we're going to be talking about, because here's the thing. We have found that these five things all throughout the pages of Scripture, anybody that God ever used, people right down to this moment, those of you in this room, I bet you've got stories about people who have impacted you, practical teaching that made a difference, um, private disciplines that you started doing in your life that made a difference, pivotal circumstances, things that happened to you that changed everything for you, and personal ministry, times where you stepped out. Those of you who have done it, stepped out, and you've seen God use you in ways you never dreamed he could or would, and it changed you, and people will thank you. Thank you so much for ministering to me, and you say, no, 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 no. Thank you for the opportunity. You have no idea what that did for me. My goodness, it's like the highlight of my week that I got to do. It, all of these things changed our life, but they all require trust. They all require faith in order to activate them. You see, tr faith or trust is a decision to give the benefit of the doubt to the one you have a relationship with. And many times, we're going to be a little confused. We're not going to fully understand what God is doing. And we need to, in those moments, to give God the benefit of the doubt. That's what faith and trust is all about. You can't even have a relationship with your spouse or another human being without trust, without faith. If you don't trust somebody, you're certainly not going to continue to grow in your relationship with them. Distrust erodes and destroys relationships, whether it's with God or with people. So this is what we're talking about today. And we're going to launch into practical teaching today. And really, let me break it down even further. Practical biblical teaching. What does that look like and why is that so important? And I bet many of you in this room would say, <clears throat> if you were to tell a story of how you began to grow in your relationship with God, those of you who have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ today, you would say somewhere along the line, and maybe it's happening right now, or maybe it's happened recently, or maybe it happened years ago, but somebody invited you to a Bible study or to a church service like this one, and somebody taught you 
how to apply the Bible to your life. Somebody taught you in a very practical way how to not just have more information. It's good to know things, but it wasn't just about knowing and knowledge. It wasn't just about information. It was about application. Here's the thing that was so amazing about that moment for you is that it changed the way you live. You walked out of that place not being wowed by the speaker how much he or she knew, but you walked out of there saying, wow, I want to do that. I want to put that into practice. I want to live that out, which was the point. Like That's what you came away feeling like, and that was what you wanted to do. And Here's what's really amazing about that. It was something that consistently became a, a, a point that Jesus preached over and over in his ministry. As a matter of fact, in Jesus' most famous sermon, his Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, at the very end of this famous sermon, arguably his most famous sermon, he had lots of them, but this was, this was a big one. It kind of covered everything. If you read through those three chapters, I don't know. I mean, Jesus threw everything but the kitchen sink. He had everything in there. He talked about everything uh, in one sermon. And, and it was like Jesus is saying, listen, let me show you. Here's all the things, yes, you need to know, but here is how to do it. He's going to challenge us to put into practice that if you don't understand that this has to intersect with your life and your behavior and your lifestyle, if it doesn't change that, then you have wasted your time and mine. <laughs> You're not getting the point of why this was taught to you. And here's what he says as he wraps up. I want us to look at these last five verses of chapter 7 together because Jesus kind of culminates all of it together and says, okay, here's the big point that I want you to get out of all of this. This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Here's what he says. He says, and let's read these highlighted words together. He says, therefore, everyone who, let's say it together, who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. They're practicing. It's like a, what kind of man? A, a wise man who built his house on the on the rock, right? And this, is, this rock means bedrock, unshakable foundation upon which his life is built. And he's saying that this is what I want you to understand from what I am teaching. That I want you to build a house on the rock because a lot of the people who were sitting there and listening to him, just like many of you may be sitting here today, you think, okay, um, Jesus, I'm, I'm present I'm listening. I don't think I missed one of your sermons, Jesus. I have taken really good notes. You know, God, what do you think about me now? Like, I'm doing pretty good over here. And isn't it true that many of us grew up thinking and rating our spiritual life according to church attendance, right? If, I'm, if you go to church, you can go, you're in good with God. You miss church, God's going to be like, okay, you little rascal, I'm going to let you slide this week, but you better get it together next week, right? And we certainly love for you to be here every Sunday. We hope that it feels like it's always worth it and God's going to do something special every single Sunday. And that's wonderful. But it is important to make the distinction here that these people, just like us today and much of the Christian community, think, well, if I just take really good notes, I get all the right information, I listen to Christian radio all day long, read the right books, go to the right conferences, get in many Bible studies, get more and more and more knowledge, take really good notes on Jesus' sermon, catalog it, memorize it. I mean, that's enough, right? And here's what Jesus' point was. 
And, and this, was, this is astounding, and we still miss this down to this day. What will destroy you in this life, what will destroy your life is not, isn't not knowing, it's not doing anything with it. That you can have all the information in the world. And we hear it all the time in people's faith stories. That they'll say that I had been hearing stuff my whole life. I had been given knowledge my whole life. But somewhere along the line, somebody taught me how to apply the Bible to my life. And oh my goodness, it was a game changer. God came alive when I started applying his truth, his word to my life. This is why it is so important, ladies and gentlemen, please don't miss this, for you and your children to consistently be putting yourself in an environment where God's word is taught in a practical application manner, where you can apply it to your life, and that you and your kids are working on it together. You're not going to get it right all the time, and call yourself out on it. Dad, I've had to do it as a pastor. I'm telling you, I've told my girls, I blew it on that one, girls. I'm sorry. I wish I, you know, I shouldn't have gotten so mad. I shouldn't have gotten, you know, please forgive me. I had to do it just a few days ago. I, I didn't do it right. Please forgive me. Let's get back on the right track and start living this out because it's too important to just know about and not do. And I just want to encourage you today. This is what Jesus over and over says. If you want to experience the power of God in your life, like come alive, begin to see the working of God in your life like never before, this is going to require you and I to begin to apply it like never before, to begin to start living it out. One of the parallels I have always been kind of enamored with or kind of astonished by is the, 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 the parallel between our spiritual life and diet and exercise, right? Both areas, you can know a lot of information and not apply it, and it doesn't make any good. It doesn't make any difference, right? And, and let me prove that to you real quick, and you can kind of help me either prove or disprove this theory. But imagine for a moment, and really I'm asking you to, to consider, is this possible? Is it possible for somebody to have a PhD in nutrition? And, and all day long, this person helps other people to adopt healthy diets, to get healthier, to live longer, to have a higher quality of life, to do better in life, right? And the same person who has a PhD in nutrition every single day eats a box of Little Debbie snack cakes, <laughs> Right? Is it possible for that to happen? Would you raise your hand if you think it's possible, right? Yes, of course it's possible. Yes, that's right. I mean, and I don't know about you, but I grew up, when I look at this, it makes me salivate a little bit. I grew up eating, I don't know how many of these oatmeal cream pies I ate, but it's just a very ungodly number. I have a lot. I know I've eaten a box of those before. I mean, lots of them. Now, not anymore. I, I've had to, you know, all it takes is one reading of the back of the box of what's in it. There's like no nutritional value. I, it's like, it's not real good for you. I mean, little Debbie may be smiling and she has that little hat. I think she has a hat because she's got some little horns up under there. But <laughs> no, we love little Debbie. Just can't trust her. I just, <laughs> she looks so cute. You think you could trust her, but you can't trust her. Anyway. But it's true, isn't it? it? You can have all the knowledge in the world and not be doing it. And, and the Bible is like nutrition. It only benefits you if you apply it. If you do it, you can have a PhD in theology. 
biblical history. I've known people, right? This, this is going to sound real self-righteous of me to say this about other people that I went to seminary with, but they weren't very nice. They knew a lot about the Bible, but you could hardly stand to be around them. <laughs> they weren't very joyful people. They knew a lot. And you kind of want to say, maybe you ought to apply a little more of the love and the joy. Yeah, like, <laughs> come on, try a little harder. But here's what, here's what Jesus said about those, the wise man that built his house on the rock that really listened and applied, put into practice. Verse 25, here's what he says. The rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the, the rock, on the bedrock had its foundation on the rock. It wasn't because the owner of the house, this wise man, was a meteorologist and knew all about storms and had all this information about storms. It wasn't what he knew. It's what he did. It was the wise things he enacted. It was the wise behaviors he adopted, he and his family, to prepare for the storms, that he did the right things. This is so incredibly important because for so many of us, we miss this sometimes. We miss this. We think, you know what? Uh, yeah, I, I've heard that before, Will, and, I, and this is really the turning point for a lot of people. They think, you know what? I've heard that. I've heard this stuff. I've grown up all my life. You know, if, like, if you were to ask me, like, do you believe this Bible? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, as much as I've read of it, I think I do. I think I do. But I have never really, if you're being really honest, some of you here may be saying, I've never really applied it to my marriage consistently or to the way I raise my kids consistently. I've never really applied it to my finances. I've never really applied it to my career or my relationships at work or the way I treat people, the way I speak sometimes, kind of language that comes out of my mouth sometimes. You would say, you know, that, that really... Honestly, it's a disconnect between what I say I believe, what, the knowledge that I got, and the way I live. It's different. It's a disconnect. And what's interesting here is Jesus says, okay, now I want you to think about somebody else. There's somebody else sitting out in this audience. So the first person heard, listened, applied, practiced it like the man or woman built their house upon the rock. So here's the second one, verse 26. Here's what he says. But everyone who, let's say it together, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a what kind of man? Like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And if you know anything about construction, anything about home building, anything about building anything, even a little Morgan building, you don't go put it on sand, which implies it's probably on the beach. Depending on, you know, Jesus, that's where the sand was for him, right by the beach. You don't do that. If you want the house to last, it's going to collapse. It's, going to, it's not going to go well for this house. And so he's saying, listen, these are the same People, these people actually, they're, they're not the exact same people, but they're sitting in the same audience. Notice both of the scenarios that Jesus gives start with the exact same circumstance. They're sitting out here, and they're both hearing. Both of them have ears to hear. They've got good hearing. They're listening. They're probably both taking notes. They're both absorbing the information. They're all in, but... These folks go home and don't apply. They don't 
put it into practice. And here's what Jesus is trying to say. Here's his, his point. You can have 100% attendance. And you can know everything there is to know and be an absolute fool. An absolute fool. And a fool is someone who knows better but suffers the consequences anyway. Oh, I know I probably shouldn't drink that much. I shouldn't act like that. I shouldn't be with them. I shouldn't be hanging out with them. There's probably not a good influence on my life. I shouldn't be going to these websites. I shouldn't be talking like this. I shouldn't be listening to this kind of music. I shouldn't be going to these kind of movies. I shouldn't be watching this kind of stuff. But I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. I know. I know my limits. I can do that. I can handle this. You can't handle it. Jesus says, if you don't put it into practice, the foolish decisions that you make are going to be manifest to everyone. Don't let that be your story. Don't be a precautionary tale to your kids and others. Don't go this way, kids. I really royally messed up my life because I didn't apply. Don't let that be your story. There's still time. Jesus is saying, listen, these are the same two audience. These are the people sitting in the same audience. He's trying to help people to self-identify. Is this you? Do you do this sometimes? Do you come and listen and don't do? Do you come and don't really take seriously the application? What needs to happen? What needs to change here? It's so important that we take it seriously. Because in, in a sense, what he is saying is that there is coming a moment into the future that this house that you are building, this house relationally, you're building a house with the relationships you're building, you're building a house with your career, you're building a house with your kids, with your family, and if it's not being built by the application of God's word, there is coming a collapse, there is coming a hurt and a pain that is going to be unbearable. It's going to be very difficult. As a matter of fact, in both scenarios, you see both men going through a storm of life. Like he's showing, it's indiscriminate. It's going to come for everybody. Everybody's going to go through hard times with their marriage, with their finances, with their kids, with their careers, with their future. Anxiety, fear, stress, it's coming for all of us. How are you going to handle it? Jesus is saying, you've got to learn how to apply my word or you will suffer harm. It's going to hurt real bad. And in verse 27, here's what he says. He says, and the rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great, let's say it together, with a great, let's make it sound like a crash. Ready? One, two, three. Wow, that was good. Somebody really got into it over there. Okay, thank you. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed. A couple of weeks ago, we saw that Jesus was amazed about the centurion. Same word. It's astonished. He is marveling at. They're marveling at him. They're blown away at what he said. Why? They were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority not as their teachers of the law. The other rabbis taught for more and more information, more and more knowledge. Jesus certainly gave knowledge. Here's what to believe, but here's what it looks like when you take that belief and live it out. Here's how it ought to change your behavior. Here's what it looks like when, it, when it's adapted to your lifestyle. Here's how it, it changes the way you live every single day and how you treat people and how you treat your family. And He's showing us this ought to change the way you live. 
And there is a sense that Jesus comes right out and says it in a later time. He says, so get out there and start living it. And don't be a hypocrite, right? Because it's real easy to be a hypocrite. To say, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe it, I believe it. And then you don't do it. We, we got enough of those already, he says. Listen, I want some people who are serious about this, man, that are all in, that are ready to put their yes on the table and say, yes, Jesus, I trust, I believe, I push faith in you because I know there's a storm coming. And some of you are in the middle of it right now. And I'm telling you, cling on to Jesus and live it out. Don't abandon it now. It is so important in this moment of your most desperate hour to hold on to him. Hold on to him. Don't give up. Application always makes our relationship with God come alive. There is no shortcut here. I wish I could tell you there's a way to not have to go to the practices and you can just show up at the game and win. You can't do it. You must put it into practice. You've got to practice it. You can have the most brilliant doctor in the world, but if he doesn't have or she doesn't have a practice, there's no way it helps anybody. There's no application of the knowledge. Practicing is how God comes alive. It's how it makes a difference. Another way of thinking about it is that unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. All right? Here's a way to think about it. You think about paint... Paint is really only valuable to you and I. I mean, we pay a lot for paint, you know? You go and buy gallons of paint, but it is no good to you in the can, is it? The application of the paint is when it has value. When you take it out of the can and you begin to apply it to the wall, all of a sudden, bam, wow, it looks so much better. And you have given value to the whole room. You have raised the value of the house by the application of the paint. Same with God's word. As you begin to apply it, you'll find, whoa, this added value to my marriage, my relationship with my kids, at work. It helped me to understand God better, my future. I have a peace. I have a security. I have a confidence I didn't have before. The stress and anxiety level, I feel it beginning to diminish as my faith begins to increase. This application of paint, you you need to be in a place an environment, you and your kids. I want to just challenge you right now. Every weekend that you're in an environment where somebody's popping open a can of God's word and saying, here's what God says. Here's how we go home and apply it. Now, here's a paintbrush I'm going to put in your hand. Here's the can. Now, you go home and start applying this at home. You go home, you go to work, start applying it at work. You start applying it with your friends. You apply it when you're on the internet, when you're, when you're choosing what music you're going to listen to, what, what movies you're going to go see, what, what things you're going to put into your mind and into your heart, depositing into your soul. Think about it. What is that application? Do you know why this is so important? Do you know why Jesus harped on this over and over? Because he knows there's a storm coming, and you and I won't survive it if we're not applying it. He said as much in that passage. The storm that came and beat against the house and the wind blew and the water rose. These are all symbols representing storms that are coming in our lives. And our faith just won't survive it if we're not applying it every day. 
And I want to encourage you today just to make a fresh commitment or maybe a first-time commitment to say, God, I am committed not just to know about you, but to apply that knowledge, to live it out. I want my kids to have that benefit. I want them to have a, a, a rock, a foundation, so they don't have to start out on sand and go, oh, this isn't working. i got to transfer over, which is some of our story here. Some of us said, yeah, I started building on sand for years, and I realized this is not working. This is falling apart. Like, it's disintegrating under my feet. And you begin to build on the rock of Jesus and of his word and his truth, and it changed everything for you. And you want that for people that you care about, don't you? You should. And so today, in the Spirit, and we do this every Sunday, it's not special to this Sunday, but we're going to pray a prayer of application. We call it our application prayer. It's simply, how do we apply what was just taught to you? We do this every single Sunday, and this is why. Because practical application, practical biblical teaching makes all the difference in terms of how we live. Here's the prayer. It's simply saying, Jesus, I commit today to be an environment, in an environment where your word, the word of God, is taught with application so that I can put it into practice. I want to build my house on the rock. I want my kids to build their house upon the rock, their lives. I want them to, as early as possible, so they don't have to tear down and rebuild somewhere else. I want them to start to build on a rock that will not move on them, a bedrock of you, God, and your word. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.